This is What's with Washington, where you ask the questions about our region, about the place we live, about your neighborhood, Anacostia, Prince George's County, Pentagon City, Columbia Heights, and WAMU Answers. I'm a second generation Washingtonian. Ward 5. This is What's with Washington. I'm Michaela LaFrac. And today I'm recording in a tiny, tiny closet in my bedroom with a blanket pulled over my head to muffle the echo. Like many of you, me and everyone I work with are required to work from home for the foreseeable future. So this is my studio for the day. I do have a little news. All of us WAMU reporters are totally focused right now on covering the impact of coronavirus on the Washington region. That means this is going to be the last What's With Washington episode for a little while. We're not quite sure when our next episode will be, but in the meantime, you can say hi to me on Twitter. I'm at Mika Frack, M-I-K-A-F-R-A-K. Or you can connect with WAMU on Facebook. We have this brand new Facebook group called DC Area Coronavirus Updates. And you can share your stories or ask questions about coronavirus and your daily life. And of course, there's always WAMU.org or my personal favorite, the radio. Tune in, 88.5. It's great. But now to the good news. We do have an episode for you. We're going to answer a key question about coronavirus in the region. Then we'll hear from some adorable little kids. And finally, we'll talk about some ways to help people. We're going to start with Daniela Cheslow. She's a reporter in the WAMU newsroom, and she's going to help me answer the question of why it's been so hard to get tested for COVID-19. We normally sit next to each other in the WAMU newsroom, but... Right now, we are not together. Daniela, where are you joining us from? Hi, Michaela. I am joining you from a pillow fort that I've built on my couch in Adams Morgan. (laughs) I am also in a pillow fort, so at least we're cozy. That's true. All right. So you have spent the past couple days talking with doctors and patients and health officials all around Virginia, mainly, um, about coronavirus testing. So what, what have you been hearing from them? So the numbers show that we're just... We have extremely limited ability to test anybody for coronavirus. So what are what are some of the reasons for why it's so hard to test people right now? First of all, there's just not enough of the swabs in order to get a test. You have to put what looks like very long Q-tips up a patient's nose. And then think about how a coronavirus patient is very contagious and you're putting a swab all the way up their nose. They're going to sneeze, they're going to cough. And if you don't have the right protective gear, the doctor or the nurse who's giving that test could get sick too. So in order to administer just one test, let's say in an examination room, the doctor has to have a full set of gear that they can throw out after every patient. And inside that room, they have to also disinfect after each and every patient. So they might even have to hire an extra person to do that. So in order to get around that, a few different um, hospitals or healthcare providers have started doing drive-through sites where you can just drive up in your car and this way you don't have to sanitize a whole room after the patient um, and you can maybe minimize the risk of the healthcare provider as well. But those are few and far between. And again, even at those sites, the swabs are short and the protective gear is short too. And (laughs) you you went to one of those drive-through sites in Virginia, was it uh, on Wednesday? That's right. Arlington County has started a drive-up sample collection site in collaboration with the Virginia Hospital Center. And the way that works is people drive up and in their cars, and then medical workers take the samples and send them off to a lab. A car is driving through orange cones. It's a gray SUV. A medical worker just used a megaphone to tell the car to drive into this tent, keeping its windows up. 
When I went there, I met Melody Dickerson. She's the chief nursing officer at the Virginia Hospital Center. She said the reason for this is because sick patients are crowding into hospital emergency rooms, and they don't want people with coronavirus infecting other people. We um, did not anticipate the number of patients that we've had today who would just show up. We really thought people would follow the instructions, so lesson learned. She said she was kind of surprised that so many people had ignored their directions, which said you needed to be a resident of Arlington County or an employee of the county or schools. You needed to have a doctor's order for the test and you needed to have an appointment. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess to be honest, I'm not totally surprised by that because I feel like people are just so desperate to get these tests right now that they're probably just showing up anywhere that they can to try to get one. That's right. And I met one man. His name is Luis Ramirez. He's 45 years old. He's uninsured. He works as a construction worker in Dale City. And he came. He said he felt terrible. Let's hear him. I feel like a little headache. So cold inside in my bones. I feel like so bad. I never feel that thing in my life. That's why I'm here. But he didn't meet the criteria. And so they turned him away. So it just... There are so many barriers. And again, the goal is to make sure that these tests are being reserved for the most contagious, the most vulnerable, the people who might have underlying respiratory illnesses or be in nursing homes. But the result is a lot of frustration for both the patients who can't get the tests and their doctors who are trying to help them. You know, NPR had this whole article about how there are basically these two big uh, manufacturers of these like very specialized swabs that you described to us um, and they are obviously experiencing this enormous backlog and there hasn't really been a fix yet to like diversifying the um, places that that are allowed to make them. But I was reading that the Department of Health and Human Services is trying to open like 40 new test sites, but they have to work with these manufacturers to actually get more tests. Like it's not enough to just open a test site. That's true. I mean, and some of this is just infuriating, right? The first U.S. case of coronavirus was two months ago. I think it was January 21st. We've had two months to order these supplies, and that's where you start to see the effect of the federal government taking a while to really acknowledge that this was a problem. Because if they had acknowledged from day one that this would be a pandemic, they could have put in place those orders for supplies, for swabs, for protective equipment. What I've heard some doctors are doing is being creative, using swabs that they would use for other respiratory infections and repurposing them for coronavirus testing. That's been a success. And I think that's evidence that doctors are starting to find ways to stretch their supplies. And how exactly do does it work in terms of paying for these tests? Like when, when people were driving up and getting a test, did they have to pay for that? Is it insurance? Are they being provided for free? From what I understand, the tests themselves are free. The problem is that in order to get a test, you need a doctor's order, for example, in Arlington County. And so your doctor's visit might not be free, you know? Or if you're going to be getting a test somewhere else, like because these tests are in such short supply, one way to ration them is to say the only way you can get them is to get a doctor's appointment. But for somebody like that construction worker I mentioned before, Luis Ramirez, he's uninsured. He went to a hospital in Prince William County. They said, you can't get this test until you get a doctor's visit. He said, how much is it going to be? They said, we're not sure. And he balked. He said, I'm not. I don't have that kind of money. I don't want to just accidentally get a thousand dollar bill when I might not have work for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So you can see how among, you know, especially the uninsured, there are a lot of deterrents to getting checked out. This has been a crazy time for so many people. Um, and, you know, in our, our newsroom, we've been working really hard to try to cover 
um, these stories as they develop. And I know you've been running around um, doing a lot of really great work. But how what are your tactics for like staying sane right now or for bringing some joy into your life? there's definitely moments of joy. I spoke to this one doctor. um, His name is Aaron Greenberg in Alexandria. I said to him, I have a running club in my neighborhood and two or three of us have been going out every now and then going out running, keeping a distance. Can I do that? And he said, absolutely. Do it. Do it now because it'll bring you joy and because it's the least risky thing you can do. And probably in a few weeks, you won't be able to do that. So savor that moment. Well, Daniela, thank you so much. Um, I hope you're staying safe and, and healthy and as happy as possible out there. But we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you, Michaela. And coming up next, we have got some kiddos explaining their coronavirus experiences. Hi, it's Diane. The next meeting of my book club is on Wednesday, May 31st at 1 p.m. Eastern. I'll host a discussion of Mad Honey by Jody Pico and Jennifer Finney Boylan, followed by a conversation with the authors. Find out more and register at dianereem.org slash book club. So as you know, schools around the region are closed, which means kids and parents are spending a lot of time together. I asked some of my coworkers and family members and WAMU listeners to interview their kids about coronavirus, what it is, how to prevent it, and how they're staying busy at home. Here's what we learned. It's pretty amazing. How old are you? Four. I mean, five. Are you sure? I'm sure. Do you know what the coronavirus is? It's when people get sick from each other. When old people get sick, it's, it's bad for them to get sick. Then if kids get sick, because if kids get sick, then, then they, it will take a few days. If old people get sick, um, it's badder for them. What is coronavirus? It's like a very bad germ, like a cold but, or flu but very bad. What grade are you in and how old are you? I'm in sixth grade and I'm 11 years old. What's coronavirus? It's a virus that can make you very sick. And that's why um, my school is closed. But there's some people who have to go to school or work because they work at like news places, hospitals. So what have you been doing to occupy your time? I've just been going on my phone, watching TV, playing Roblox, eating, sleeping. Basically, that's all I'm doing right now. Every single part of my family, well, except for like my cousins and uncles and so on, is in the house. How do you feel about that? It's cramped. I'm Sally. I'm eight, and I live in Arlington. Um, my friend gave me a letter. It said we might have a play date on the weekends, but I don't think we will. What's the most fun chore you've done? Vacuuming! You have to wash your hands really well. Wash your hands! Do you think you're going to remember this, like, when you're a grown-up? I don't know. Oh my gosh, the actual cutest. Thank you so much to everyone who sent us your stories. Other than hearing from adorable children, one thing that's really been raising my spirits recently is how much I've seen people around our region helping other people out during this time. 
take the blood shortage. I recently reported on how when schools and offices shut down, hundreds of blood drives were also canceled across the country. And that meant local hospitals didn't have enough blood for transfusions for surgeries. So if you're healthy and you feel comfortable doing so, you can donate blood or platelets at your local hospital. And there have been zero reports of coronavirus transmission through the blood donation process. Now, a bunch of my colleagues have also been seeking out stories like these with opportunities for you to get involved and help your community. Next, we'll hear from Elliot Williams from DCist. So I found out that a range of organizations and activists joined together to create a mutual aid network for Wards 7 and 8. East of the Anacostia River, there are only three major grocery stores to feed nearly 150,000 residents. So Black Lives Matter, Black Swan Academy, and organizations like Bread for the City have launched GoFundMes to raise money, as well as in-person food and toiletry stations. They even set up a hotline so that volunteers can drop off necessities at the doorsteps of homebound residents. You can participate by donating to the East of the Anacostia Mutual Aid Fund on GoFundMe. Or look up the DC Mutual Aid Network Facebook page, where you'll find everything you need to volunteer or find help. Hey there, this is Maureen Powell from WAMU. I found out that the Capital Area Food Bank is experiencing really high demand right now, and that's not likely to ease anytime soon. You can help out by uh, donating non-perishable foods, money, or your time. They rely heavily on volunteers to help unload, package, and distribute food. You would be around other people, but they're observing all the relevant health protocols, like disinfecting, hand washing, and distancing, and they really could use your help. This is John Glenn Hill from WAMU. I've learned that the Homeless Children's Playtime Project is helping families and shelters by putting together play sets for children. They include toys, games, and activity sets to help keep them busy while they're out of school. Social distancing has had a real impact on their supply chain. But co-founder Jamila Larson says there's one way that you can help out. Well, the best way is also the most boring, and that is giving money on our website, because we really need to limit the number of hands literally involved in the supply chain. So if we have sufficient cash flow to be able to continue to provide these play kits to kids who need it the most, we can continue to order supplies. And in some cases, we have them shipped directly to our shelter partners to distribute directly as the safest means of distribution since some of our shelter partners aren't allowing volunteers inside anymore. Hi, this is Eliza Burkhan from WAMU. Local restaurants have been shut down for the time being and a lot of their owners and staff are really struggling. One way to help them is by buying gift cards. If you feel comfortable, you could also order takeout or delivery and you can donate to the virtual tip jar for service industry workers who need that extra support. I just took a couple minutes to do this myself and it was super easy. You can find it by searching DC virtual tip jar. That is it from us. We will be back in your feeds as soon as we are able. And in the meantime, check out some of the old What's With Washington episodes if you need a smile. I personally recommend the one about wombats. This episode was produced by me, Michaela LaFrac, Ponce Rutch, and Patrick Fort, who also mixed the show. Our theme music is by Ben Privet. WAMU's general manager is JJ Yore. Andy McDaniel oversees all our content. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Michaela LaFrac. We'll be back in your feeds as soon as we can. And in the meantime, stay well and be in touch.